The NAESP Principal Podcast is sponsored by the National Association of Elementary School Principals, supporting our nation's leaders from preschool through eighth grade. Whether you're looking to develop your professional learning network, extra liability coverage at a fraction of the cost, or you want to level up your professional development, NAESP has you covered. Hello, principals, and welcome to the NAESP Principal Podcast. My name is Rachel George. I am an elementary principal in Oregon and an NAESP fellow. And my name is Adam Welcome. I'm a principal in California and a fellow with NAESP and the Innovation Center with Rachel. So, hey, we are so excited to bring you all this NAESP principal podcast. So we can talk about real ideas with amazing principals and in this case, some amazing district office folks to help make your leadership stronger and more innovative. Yeah, and today we are talking about evaluations, and we're super excited about our guest that will be on in a few moments, but um, if you listen to this podcast, you know that Rachel and I always kind of go back and forth, and then we bring in our guest to further the conversation, and evaluations is interesting, and I'll just tell you a brief story uh, just to kind of kick off the conversation, Rachel. I was a principal in a district, and I had a supervisor, but the superintendent did the evaluations. And after my first year, well, near the end of it, I, what I came to find out was that the superintendent would send a Google survey to all the directors in the district and like get feedback and then incorporate that feedback into her evaluation. And some of those directors I had very little contact with. And I I just always ask questions and I say, can I see the, the form? Can I see the responses? And there was one, I'm like, well, that one right there is, I know who that one's from. And I can tell you the exact reason why that person wrote that one. And here's the situation. And that's not fair that that thing gets put into there because this is what happened. This is what they did. And they're reacting to that one situation six months ago into my evaluation. And I have a problem with that. And that actually spurned a conversation with my superintendent, I will give them credit to relook at the evaluation process because I'm like, this is a big deal from a supervising standpoint, but also from a growth standpoint. And I don't want something in there with someone, oh, and I said, and that person has not been to my school all year. Like, and so based on an email or a phone exchange or a brief meeting at district office, I'm not saying that that should not be brought into a conversation, but the evaluation at the end of the year with no context to me was not fair at all. So, and it was a small district. I mean, like six schools, four elementary, a high school in a middle and in a continuation. So I don't know what your experience has been, but um, that's what I'm kicking off this podcast with. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, that's similar. And, you know, I'd like to say that administrative evaluation should be pretty rigorous and consistent, especially when we're expected to do that for teachers. But unfortunately, I think that we fall pretty short. You know, my first three years uh, as a middle school principal, I think I was officially evaluated once and it had a standard rubric, which was great. But, you know, I actually didn't know what the rubric was until probably a year in. In my next setting, again, different rubric, which is funny because it's supposed to actually kind of be standardized within Oregon. And I was not clear on how data or information was collected. Ends up that the one-on-one -on -one meetings I had once a month with my teaching and learning director that she would randomly take notes about in her little notebook, which was just like, hey, Rachel, how are things going? And me just kind of verbally vomiting of like, got this going on, got this, got this challenge. Here's how I'm going to approach it. 
all of that, all of it ended up in my evaluation. Like luckily, luckily I didn't say a bunch of bad things and wasn't like, I don't know how to do my job. And they were all shifted to the positive, but it made me really reflect that had I not filtered or been conscientious about what I shared, that could have gone a whole different direction. And that actually made me reach out to some of the other principals and their evaluations were completely different. Some were using different rubrics and it was all touchy-feely, all subjective, like no data pieces, no rubric. These are the different pieces. And over the years, I've been evaluated using that same system by a handful of different folks. They've been fairly consistent, but that's not been the case for other folks. So it, it's just, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. I want to grow. I think the best piece of advice and coaching and growth opportunity I've had has been through my superintendent doing one-on-one -on -one meetings and doing classroom observations with me and walking through the building and him using cognitive coaching on me, you know, asking me questions, getting me to think and analyze, you know, talk about conversations and how they could roll out instead of him just listening or telling me what to do or being completely hands-off. So that's well, where I'm at. All that's going to happen is you or other people are not going to be open and honest with, you know, I, I even hate the super supervisor, you know, terminology, but with the people that you work with that are above you, you know, the rest of your team, basically, you're not going to be open and honest, and then you're not going to learn and grow. And then the district is not going to progress. And then the teachers, and it's like this trickle in, trickle out, trickle down, whatever you want to call it. And it just, it doesn't build trust in, in relationships and the organization. And I've heard very similar stories and principals aren't, they're not not honest. They just don't tell their bosses everything, which at the end of the day is not a good way to, not a good place to be. Um, and there's many, maybe many reasons why they do that. Part of it, you know, to go along with your story or they think that they're just gonna get in trouble or there's a political and egos involved, which unfortunately is, uh, is pretty common. So let's just say, let's say you're a superintendent. Okay, you and I are superintendents, all right? And let's say we have 10 schools in our school districts. And I would say a district that size the superintendent could probably do all the evaluations. I, it depends on who's there. I've worked in districts with 50 schools and the directors or the assistant superintendents, however it's structured, they do the, the, um, they do the evaluations because 50 is a lot to do, but let's say 10 or less. If you, Rachel George, are a superintendent, how would you, what is the optimal way do you think that you would structure meetings, uh, evaluations, what would you want to see um, in your district? Great question. So I've been evaluated by my superintendent. In my first district, that was the case. My current one, um, it's been different people. Sometimes it's been the teaching and learning director. And then I think last year, my superintendent picked it up. So I've seen it from both angles. I think a really clear goal setting process a really consistent formula or format to be able to solicit input feedback and have that ongoing dialogue and conversation. In our case, it's one month, monthly one-on-one -on -one meetings. And I think you need to tie those goals back in. I think you need to have a transparent, honest conversation, which I can wholeheartedly say I have that now, that one person's gone, which is fantastic. And that's been a huge game changer for me with growth. I would also be in the buildings all the time, watching, seeing what's going on, having dialogue. It wouldn't just be monthly meetings in the principal's office, hearing their perspective. It'd be visiting with teachers, 
it'd be different settings, staff meetings, professional development, walkthroughs, just being present. And that's something that my superintendent does, which I really appreciate. He's around and talks to folks, even if you're not there, or even sneaks through the side door and you don't even know he's in the building and he's been to like seven classrooms. And I think that that really helps provide a real authentic look at my leadership, strengths, weaknesses, and areas for growth. Yeah, and if, yeah no, I was going to say, I was going to touch on so many of those things. If, if your superintendent says they don't have time or your director of teacher and teaching and learning or whatever, then they're just not spending enough time in schools. And I wrote a blog post years ago, district, district leaders get out of your office just take your office, which is your phone or your laptop, and just spend time in, in, your, in your school. It's not their school. It's your school. It's like, I remember when I was a teacher, people would say, well, like the district. And I remember thinking, wait, like we are the district. You know, it's kind of like this them and us. And when you can take your work anywhere, you're just going to get such a better finger on the pulse. And I mean, I would just echo the same things. Like, sneak into schools you know like because it's you you can just it's kind of like undercover boss just cruise around and see what's going on and um and not you're not trying to get information you're just trying to trying to be a part of the school which is just going to give you a a good ground floor view of how the school is running and where where the principal is and what's going on and uh i i do think and this, this is a question I have for our guest. I do think that there is two roles that are really important. It's the supervisor role and then the coaching role. So I do think as a superintendent, I would work my hardest to make sure that all of my, all my principals had a supervisor, but then also had a coach. And I think that coach should actually be somebody that does not work in the district. I know some districts like where some principals coach other principals. And if you're a new principal, I think that's an okay like in some states, like in California, I had to have a, have a coach for two years to kind of clear my admin credential. But then once you're kind of over that hump and you understand the job and you can do the job, I think somebody that's outside of the organization is so important because I've had that opportunity to have that kind of a coach and they don't know all the internals. They don't, but they know the job and they can give you they can just give you advice and they can listen without knowing all the politics. And it's hard to have those confidential relationships with people that you work with. Um, it's, it's really hard. And a lot of people have been burned and they're just not going to trust to really tell people kind of like what we talked about before, even if they are a coach, because it's still just information and they might have that fear that what they tell their coach is going to get out and that's that's just not a good vibe so superintendents directors find your people a coach that is outside of the organization but that has been a principle that has done the work because i really think it's two separate conversations um, that are both very beneficial to uh to your school leaders oh big time so let's take this conversation and shift it to teachers, because I think a lot of the content we've talked about totally applies, right? The principal that's not in the classrooms, doesn't come visit, doesn't have ongoing conversation, maybe wasn't a teacher, maybe they were a counselor or school psych, who knows, and now they're trying to coach a third grade teacher up on best core reading practices <laughs> or phonics instruction, right? Like that's a big weakness for me. So how do you make 
end of year evaluations meaningful from your perspective for classroom teachers. So it's not a hoop because you know why I have heard time and time again, I teach a class for aspiring administrators on supervision and evaluation every year, bet my paycheck, somebody writes like, Hey, I've been asked to write my own end of year evaluation or, Hey, my principal's only been in the room once and they're evaluating me. Like that's messed up. No way to put it, but messed up. So how do you make it worthwhile where we grow? What are your thoughts, Adam? Well, I think, I think all principals, um, every year I've been a principal, I have a goal of being in every classroom every day for the first 100 days of school. And a lot of people might be shocked by that, but it's not hard. And I've been in, I've been principal of schools with 250 kids and 600 kids and assistant principal of a school with 1200 kids. So big schools. And you know, if you're in high school, uh, and you have a 3000 student high school, then um, just have your assistant principals go in too. And that I think is the best, one of the best ways to really set it up because you're just going to see, you're going to see realness every single day. I remember as a teacher, my teacher next to me, they remember one day I'm like, why are you all dressed up? And I remember them saying, oh, well, I have, I have my evaluation today. And it was, I, I just didn't, it didn't resonate with me. Uh, my, I was a teacher for seven years and my principal came in my classroom in seven years, like three times, three times, or they'd come in to talk about something else. And you just, it's not fair to the teacher from a supervising standpoint, also from a growth standpoint. So I just think that visibility, visibility, visibility piece is so important. And it actually, it lessens the intensity of the evaluation because you've already been in class so many times. But principals, listen, as you're going in the classroom and you see something, don't wait until the pre or the post conference, just don't do it right then. But later that day, say, hey, Rachel, God, it was fun being in class this morning. Hey, I just noticed in your small group when you're doing phonics, like think about this little coaching. It's like you're, you're dropping just a little, a, a little spare change on them. And they're like, oh, okay. Or if you don't know to your question, if you're a prior speech pathologist or psych or whatever, go, hey, you know what? So-and-so down the hall does that really well. Can I come in and cover your class tomorrow for 15 minutes? You go down now and shadow them so you don't have the answer, but you're providing the resource for them within, a, within the building in hopefully a way that's going to build their relationship with their colleague in a stronger way. Because I'm with you, I, I didn't teach primary, I didn't teach K-1-2, so, I, you know, like phonics and all that, learning how to read, I just haven't had that experience, but we should, as leaders, be able to provide that experience, and when you are in classrooms on an everyday basis, you know people's strengths, so you can help buddy people up, and it doesn't cost you any money, and then you can cover the class for 15 or 30 minutes, and you're able to connect with the kids in a deeper way and get your teachers closer and provide hopefully something for them so they can learn and grow. So that's where I would start on a super, just, I think a super easy, it's not um, intimidating hopefully. And if you're new to the building, maybe that is intimidating because that has not been a practice. So start, start small with it and just hopefully build it out from there. That's awesome. I love also to live my life by no surprises, or at least when it comes to evaluations and observations. So when I think of the beginning of the year, I give tons and tons of coaching and positive feedback before I even do a mini observation. So laying that foundation, building that network and that relationship with the teacher. But you know what, when it comes to the end of the year, which is exactly where we're at, 
there should be no surprises people on what you're going to be getting. Like there just shouldn't be. That means you should have gone over the rubric with folks. They should know what they're being evaluated on. And they should be, they should know how they've been doing in regard to your expectations. And, you know, as we come up on Memorial Day weekend, I have heard principals and supervisors, instead of being like excited about Memorial Day, they're like, Ugh, really? Because they end up spending their whole weekend, at least in Oregon, because our school year typically ends in mid-June. They spend the entire holiday weekend writing up summative evals. Like what? Seriously? So here's a tip, and I, I have to tell you, I appreciate it when supervisors do this with me because it's collaborative. It's not doing it to me, it's doing it with me. And I game on, do it every time with teachers. So I don't spend my weekend writing up summative evals. I understand, I know as a supervisor, as a coach, as a mentor, there's a lot of life and education and the daily ins and outs of school that I don't always see. Right. And when I make assumptions, just like Adam, you had from the director that had one conversation with you and it ended up in your eval, um, I have the entire summative form blank when I meet with the teacher. So I pull out my computer, I sit side by side, I have the rubric and I'm like standard 1.1. Hey, and I read it together with them. I read the proficient category or whatever that, you know, that category is in your state that you just need to hit in order to be able to pass. And then I look up, I look up, look at the verbiage on that. And then we look at the standard down below it. So looking at that rubric pendulum, where do you see yourself landing? Hey, Adam, awesome. So you think you're a three, give me some examples. What are some thoughts? Let's talk through this. And so it's a dialogue conversation where they're able to provide evidence, their reflections. 99% of the time, I completely agree. I think there's only been like one or two circumstances and situations with employees where I'm like, hey, what about that one time? Let's talk about that. How about this other aspect? Let's consider this. But to be able to put it in the hands in this, like right in front of the teacher and to be able to put it back on them and to be collaborative and affirm their amazing work, but also use it as a positive approach has been huge. Um, really great positive feedback from staff members. It has saved me time. Granted, it takes about probably 30 to 45 minutes to be able to do from start to finish. Because when we get to the end, I'm like, Adam, top three things that you've done this year that you're super proud about. Awesome. I'd add one or two more things. Fantastic. Type it in. Hey, what are you wanting to work on? By that point, they already know what they want to work on. And I would completely reiterate and agree. Hey, Adam wants to work on continuing cooperative learning, right? And it, it just changes the whole mindset. There's no surprises. They have a voice. There's pieces that they get to share that I'm maybe oblivious to or can't see, you know, with preparing, planning, collaboration, maybe outside of meetings that we have. So, hey, if you're going to spend Memorial Day weekend working, please stop, please stop, shift it. Try the evaluations with them, not to them. Much more positive. I don't know. That's my biggest tip, biggest takeaway, Adam, for the show. Like, I think I can get off and just like let you take over for the rest of the time now. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm ready to hear from our guest. You wanna, <laughs> wanna get that going? Yes, that sounds fantastic. Adam, we have a very special guest with us today, Lakeisha Washington. So she is the Director of Teaching and Learning for Secondary Schools in the Gresham Barlow School District here in Oregon with me, which is so exciting. She was previously a middle school principal in Compton, California. And in fact, she works with my husband, which that should just make her an all-star because he is a handful, uh, but she is an absolute gem. So Lakeisha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's nice to be here. 
So today we're diving into evaluations, especially end of year evaluations as we're kind of on the home stretch of the school year. So as a principal, what were some tips and strategies you use to make those meaningful with your folks? Um, well, throughout the year, of course, wanting to make sure that I connect with them, visit their classrooms frequently so that I could have enough data to, to have an end of the year conversation. Um, and I just try to focus on the goals that we set because, you know, in addition to the evaluation framework, I would go over goals for them that they would want to set for the year, as well as goals that I may have suggested that I would like to focus on based on previous evaluations and, evalu and visits over the course of the year. So um, focusing on the goals and then um, areas that we need to work on. And of course, always wanting to highlight the areas of growth, right? So making sure that over the course of the year that I am looking for areas of growth, I'm looking for growth on those goals. Um, and the goals that I set for them are suggested as well as the goals that they suggested. And just trying to keep notes on that because they always want to, of course, hear how they're doing, how they're growing in those areas. And then from there, you know, also if there's areas that they need to still focus on, having those open and honest conversations, not just at the end of the year, but throughout the year. So when I go into the classrooms and visit, making sure that there's times to um, circle back and have a conversation about what I saw and, and ask some reflective questions and you know do a little debrief. So just really making sure that in my mind that I'm collecting the data and, and, and incorporating it from the many observations that have occurred over the year as a cumulative conversation at the end of the year. Yeah, I so agree um, with with all of that. I'm curious, how often when you at like this time of the year, do you look back at the original goal that you set with your principals back in August, July, August, September, how many goals, like how often has it really changed? I know because as a principal, I'll look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, those are the goals we set look where we are now. And those goals are still important, but we also know that so many things happen and come up with this and that. And, you know, with that being said, like, how do you make those original goals meaningful in the big picture? Because I'm guessing, you know, growth, growth is the goal. We want our leaders to grow. We want the schools and the teachers and everything to trickle out. But how often are have things like totally different and then also making them meaningful and I mean, I'm going to guess at the end of the day, like we just want growth with our schools and our leaders. So there is that flexibility, but I, I mean, cause I know when I would look back, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I forgot that we made those goals. They're still relevant and we achieved them, but gosh, Lakeisha, so many things have happened since August mm -hmm. and especially the last two years. Uh, how has that played a role or has it played a role for you at all? Well, I can speak more from the standpoint of a principal because really this was my first year doing evaluations as a district leader. And because of this whole pandemic thing, it's kind of an anomaly for me. So I'm still growing in that area. But I would say, um, and, and just thinking about this year, but also thinking about when I was a principal, you know, continuing to focus on those goals. But like you said, having the flexibility for 
adding or you know modifying so that when you go into the classroom or you visit a school and you see that there are maybe some other areas that need to be addressed, right? Things come up through your observations and through your conversations. Having the openness to be able to say, okay, well, we're gonna need to maybe add this goal to our, you know, not wanting to add too many, right? To the overall picture, but if there's some that really need to be addressed or if, they, if the person being evaluated feels that there's something else they, they wanna also add, having that flexibility and the openness to allow that to happen. And also trying to make connections between you know, an added goal and the existing goals, finding ways to connect them so that they don't feel like different you know, topics and just yeah. another add-on, right? You, don't, you wanna yeah. synthesize it together so that it all makes sense. Oh, that's so true. I love that. And, you know, as I think about this year in particular, well, even a little last year, I really want to make sure that folks are highlighted for being nimble and for their work and their growth, because it's been challenging. And I think that it's super easy to take a, a deficit mindset, you know, where maybe you're a little negative or I could have done this a lot better. And sometimes we hear that from others around us. So I love just drilling into those goals but also really celebrating the highlights because I think that there's so many great things that have happened this year for sure. So I'm curious, how did you schedule all of this? That seems to always just be a little bit of a bear for me to figure out, especially if you're in a large school or you're supervising a lot of principals. How do you navigate that scheduling aspect? What are your thoughts? when I think about my schedule as a director, it's really crazy because, you know, you just have to find spaces. You have to prioritize the time and find spots in the calendar that makes sense for everyone. So it's not just me, right? It's, it's having to negotiate that time with my, with the people, with my principals and, and then also working around district office required meetings. So just prioritizing it and, and making sure that I, I make space in there and, and being committed to it. And that was the same as when I was a principal. It was about knowing that that's a priority, making that time and committing to it. And, and knowing that you're gonna be tired during, during this time of like all these meetings, you might be meeting late and you may not have very many breaks through the day, <laughs> but just knowing that you have to be committed to stay in the course. Yeah, I'm curious, sure. I'm curious on your, your viewpoint on the difference between supervising and coaching. Uh, I was a principal years ago in a district where I had a supervisor that worked in the district, but I also had a coach, which is with someone that the district contracted with. And it was, I had such a better relationship with the coach because I felt like I could go so much deeper and super honest with my coach. And I'm, I've always been pride of myself on just being honest with pretty much everybody in my life because beating around the bush, especially when at work, doesn't do anything. I mean, obviously being, respectful and honest, but like, hey, this is what's going on and this is what we need to do. So what, what as in your approach, because I'm like, we're, we're, we're doing this podcast for principals, but also for directors and for superintendents. So if there's a principal out there that's thinking, gosh, 
my supervisor really just supervises me. I really want them to coach me to, you know, what advice do you have for the supervisor, but also the supervisee, could they, could they maybe coach their supervisor to help coach them or work that conversation into, into the work? Because they're both important. The supervising is important, especially if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, but the coaching is so important too. Yeah, I, I appreciate that question because I, I just want to say when I was a principal, I was, you know, getting these mixed messages about, you know, being a supervisor and a, being a coach. And I was even told at one point, you can't be the coach. You have to be the, the super. And it just didn't make sense to me because how, how can you not be a coach? You're, you're coaching someone on their, you know, their, their areas that they want to grow in. And I even um, took a, a certification program at LA County Office of Education for coaching because I wanted to build those skills as a principal so that I could really serve as a coach and not just a supervisor. So I think it's about, you know, one of the things that you learn as a coach, the first thing is building rapport and building trust. And so really the only way you can do that is by having, you know, frequent and ongoing interactions with your people, right? And being a human being and setting the tone for honesty. And um, when you're, you know, when you're providing honest feedback and you're asking reflective questions and giving people an opportunity to, you know, think through instead of telling, right? You know, asking, bringing them along so that they can think for some things for them, figure some things out for themselves. And, um, that that's really been something that I have valued is asking those questions and guiding even for example when um, I would meet during the pre-conference right where you're say I was going to go into the classroom and watch observe a, a lesson or observe a principal doing a facilitating a PD and that pre-conference time where you're going over the plan and you're asking questions, but you're guiding them to kind of think some things for themselves about around the plan. And I think that people really appreciate those opportunities where they, where they can, you can help them sculpt their plan, right? You can coach them into like making it even better for implementation. So for me, I do see myself as a coach and I don't really care what that person told me long ago about you can't be a supervisor. You can't be a coach and a supervisor. I believe you can. And it's about building the relationship and having, I don't like beating around the bush either. I, I like my people to come straight forward to me. Tell me how you feel. You know, I want to hear it. We can talk about it. Even if it's something that I've done that you didn't feel comfortable with or like, I need to know so that I can work on improving to be a better supporter. Cause really that's what it is, right? Being a support for that person being, I like that this whole idea of like servant leadership where you're there to help the person that you're coaching grow. And you're there to provide the supports and resources that are necessary in order for them to be successful and to achieve their goals. Okay, so I'm a principal and I don't trust my supervisor or I'm a principal and my supervisor doesn't supervise me really or they don't coach me or I'm a principal and my supervisor, this was my case, had never been a principal. So I, 
it was hard to call them and really ask them for advice. They were smart, they were intelligent, but you know, but they had never been in the principal seat and done the work. And you could give some advice, but there's that specific advice till you think you know, but you don't really know until you've done the job. What does that principal do then? Oh, that's a. We don't ask easy questions here on the NASP <laughs> Principal Cup podcast. Well, being that I have been in that situation before, um, I think that they do owe themselves the um, owe it to themselves to try, right, to have that open conversation. Still, have you know, build up that that courage to speak your truth to your supervisor and tell them what you need. And I had to do that. And did it help? No, but I still did it. You know, like, look, I need feedback. I need to know how I'm doing. I need to know areas I need to work on and just having that honest conversation. And then from there, if you don't get it, Wow. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you seek out mentors and you seek out, you know, colleagues that can help um, give you feedback. Do you go to their boss? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you might have to if you're not. I don't I, I hate to say I, you know, I really that's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard it's a hard place to navigate. And I think. Rachel, I want, I want your input too. I think this is the place where maybe you have to lean on your professional learning network of people that are outside of your district and your state to say, um, hey, I got this thing going on. Like, what would you do? Like, hey, you've been in the situation before and you live in Oregon and I live in California and I don't know all the internal stuff and I don't need to, but I can help you or somebody else could help you with that specific situation because you still need to work with this person. Mm -hmm. unless you go out and look for a different job but as we all know there, there are the internal politics in every organization especially a school district and maybe you don't feel comfortable by going to your superintendent or their boss and be like hey this person la 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 because you gotta you gotta be very you gotta be you gotta be very careful with that Rachel what do you think well, I'm going to brag on Lakeisha for a second. She's really, really good at developing that network, finding different folks to bounce ideas off of, and finding informal coaches and mentors. Uh, she asks for advice all the time. Um, you know, I, I hear this through John, you know, but they're always bouncing ideas off of each other. It's super collaborative, very reciprocal. Uh, so you're killing it in this situation, Lakeisha. You do a fantastic job, which is awesome. And going back, to the piece about being honest, upfront, transparent, giving me feedback. That's one of the things that I admired most about you. And I know that my husband just respects you immensely for that very, very reason, which I think that we don't have enough in education about that. I think that oftentimes we're beating around the bush and we're not being very clear about what we're looking for or what we feel or what we're needing in order to be successful. And you just do a fantastic job. And I think that that flows really nicely into evaluations, what you're expecting, what you're looking for with your staff. So, um, so Adam, she, she's a rock star when it comes to this. She truly is, which is just fantastic. So here's a funny one, funny question for you. You might have an answer. You might not. I was trying to think of a possible response that I would have. 
what's been your biggest blunder when it comes to supervision or evaluation with staff? Have you ever made a mistake that you just look back and you're like, oh man, if I could do that again, I wish I would change it. Or maybe it just makes you laugh at how much you've grown since then. What are your thoughts? Um, I would say not when you talked about the time, how do you manage the time? Not managing the time right. Like not, you know, not, not prioritizing and this was you know yeah that, that and it's so stressful when you don't manage the time right and then you're struggling at the end to try to make it happen and it just doesn't feel authentic at that point it, it messes up because to me evaluation should not be like the term evaluation should maybe even be changed but I think it's more about evaluation should be the cornerstone of of evaluation should be professional growth. That should be the goal. And evaluation just makes it seem so like unauthentic. And so if you're waiting to just kind of go through the motion, if you if you didn't manage your time right, and then you're just going through the motions, it just feels, it's like a pit in your stomach. It just makes you sick to your stomach to know that you missed that opportunity to make it a rich, powerful, meaningful experience. And it just, uh, I, the, the feeling is horrible. Yeah. It's not a, not a good feeling. Okay. I want some, I want some creativity. So when I was a principal, we were rolling out some new things and I felt like there wasn't good examples to show my teachers in the district. So I hit up other principals that I knew in other districts within an hour's drive, we were rolling out readers and writers workshop. And it was kind of something hard to explain. So I got subs and I took grade level teams to other schools and we spent half day, day and we were like really immersed it and we went and saw it. And I felt that that maybe wasn't a new thing, but for where I was, it was, it was a creative um, idea to problem solve to get our teachers what we wanted. So what's a creative way that you have seen or done or you would recommend other principals or supervisors to get their principals what they need because uh, you can send them to a conference you could do a webinar whatever and all those things uh, side note NAESPS some amazing webinars uh, great weekly offerings shout out to NASP but what do you what do you think like what have you done or maybe has maybe a supervisor uh, has done with you when being like, all right, like this is a unique person, a unique situation. Let's put our thinking caps on and, and really kind of look to see what we can get, get for them. So are you saying in relation to an area they needed to grow in or just in a relation to a, an area that they wanted to learn more about or does it matter? Yes. Okay. Any, <laughs> any and all of it. Yes. Um, well, one of the things I did do when I was a it, honestly, I cannot think of any creative things that I've done this past year, you know, given everything. So I, I hate that I can't really speak more to that um, besides just getting the crew together. So the middle school principals getting them together and just kind of pounding out some of the challenges that that we face um, and just, you know, working with each other to try to figure out some of those those challenges. But as a principal, um, one thing I did do when I was at the charter school is I did set up school visits 
to a school that was outside of our district for them to just go see how instruction was being delivered. Um, it, it was a school that kind of had a style that was similar to what I was trying to get across to my staff as far as the design and delivery of instruction. So we did go um, during one of the, the non-student days, I had them go to the school and visit and talk with some of the teachers. And, and then we came back um, the latter part of that day and debriefed and discussed how it was connected to the work we were trying to do at our school. Um, and I remember when I was interested in maker spaces and um, I went to my superintendent and I said, well, you know, cause he told me about like, he brought that idea up to me before about turning one of our classrooms into a maker space, but I didn't know what he was talking about. And it was my first um, year as the principal at the middle school that I was at. And I just kind of like, well, okay, well, whatever, I'm using this room for this anyway. And so then toward the middle of the school year, it like something hit me and it was like makerspace. And I started doing some research on it and I fell in love with the concept. So I went back to him and I said, hey, I think I wanna explore this whole idea about makerspaces a little bit more. And so then he set me up to go visit a school in another school district that had a makerspace so that I could start building my knowledge around that area. That's probably one of my favorite go-to strategies for learning and, you know, expanding my mindset and figuring out how to apply it to my current setting. That has been my go-to strategy. Just, I don't know what it is. It just makes a huge difference to be able to see it in action, to pick someone's brain about, you know, struggles they've had or successes. And if they had to do it again, how they would approach it. So love, love, love that. Well, Lakeisha, thank you so much for being on our show. We have just had an excellent time with you. Um, we hope that uh, we have you back again soon. So exciting, exciting. We hope that the rest of your year finishes off strong as you head into the final weeks of school and that you also have a great summer planning session as you get ready for the next year. So to all of our listeners, thank you again for joining this episode of the NAESP Principal Podcast. Learn more about NAESP at naesp.org. Hey, and if you haven't signed up for Chicago, it's the 100th anniversary of NAESP. It is on like Donkey Kong in July, face-to-face, -face, sign up, and we hope to see you there in person. And until then, see you next time on the NAESP Podcast. Goodbye. <laughs> The NAESP Principal Podcast is sponsored by the National Association of Elementary School Principals, supporting our nation's leaders from preschool through eighth grade. Andy Jacks here, Senior Fellow for NAESP Centers for Advancing Leadership. Whether you are looking to develop your professional learning network, extra liability coverage at a fraction of the cost, or you want to level up your professional development, NAESP has you covered.